Today on Podcast by the Bay, we speak with District 13 State Senate candidate Shelley Maser. But I also think it means that we need a thriving community that continues to be diverse. We need diverse income levels. We need diverse jobs. We've talked about housing. We need diverse um, types of housing. We've talked about communities working together. I want to see a set of communities that work together to solve problems that lead us in our innovation, that have strong public schools, that are places where our children are living and their children can and want to live. All coming up on today's episode of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at highwaysoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com And now, another podcast by the Bay. Welcome to Podcast by the Bay. We thank you for being with us. We thank you for downloading this episode. And we thank you for spreading the word to all your friends about Podcast by the Bay. And so today, we're going to feature one of the California State Senate candidates for District 13, and that's Shelly Maser. And so you actually might know Shelly. She's actually one of the current Redwood City Councilwomen. And so we're going to find out a lot more about Shelly's background and her vision for District 13. So once again, Podcast by the Bay does not endorse any of the candidates. We merely allow our platform to find out more about their vision and for the listeners and the audience to learn more about the candidates themselves. So if you have any questions, you have any feedback, please reach out to Podcast by the Bay by their email, podcastbythebay at gmail.com. You can find, follow us on Twitter, at Podcast by the Bay is our handle, or you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash podcastbythebay. And remember... You can listen to any of our episodes 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for free. And that's on any podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casters, Podbean. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. So with that, signing off, we're going to go ahead and get to the Shelly Macer interview. And we'll catch you on the next time of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. This is Andre, and today we're featuring our District 13 Senator Candidate show. And today we have the very special guest of Shelly Maser. And so Shelly, she's currently on City Council in Redwood City, so you might know of her already. And so we're actually very pleased to have you with us today on Podcast by the Bay. Welcome to the show, Shelly. Thanks so much, Andre. I really appreciate that you're doing this and happy to have a chance to share a little bit of information about myself. Sounds good. So we're going to jump right into it. So first question is, can you give us a little background of who you are as a candidate and why you've decided to run for the district's 13 state Senate seat? Sure, definitely. So just a little bit about me, as you just asked. I've, I've been a nonprofit leader for many years. I was a school board member. I am a mom. And as you mentioned, I'm currently a city council member in Redwood City. And, you know, when you have this kind of experience, you really develop an appreciation for what it takes 
to make things work in your community. You understand how to fight for what's right, how to stand up and make change. So for me, I see the next opportunity to make change at the state level in the state Senate. And I'm really spurred on by my passion for education, uh, my commitment and passion for health care and access to health care. And uh, my latest two things that I really care about are housing and transportation, as we've been working on them in Redwood City. And as we look around the Bay Area, we know those are critical components um, to our quality of life here in the Bay Area. The state has some big levers to pull on all of those areas, and I think I have some great experience uh, to bring to that seat, and I'd love to be able to do that. Definitely, and let's get a little bit into your experience here and just tell me your background. Um, you currently are a city council member of uh, Redwood City. Um, you actually have a, mm-hmm. mas- a master's in public health, which is uh, you know from the City University of New York, Hunter College. Previously, also... You were the president of the Redwood City School Board, and you were on the school board, I guess, for 10 years. One of the other things I actually recognized was actually you were the president of the San Mateo County School Board Association, which I think is that's a that's is that does that oversee all the different the school districts? Yeah, it's a membership association. So all of our um, 23 school districts, when you include the community college district in the county office, participate in the San Mateo County School Boards Association. Um, it's voluntary, uh, but the districts participate. We do, well, they still do. When I was there also, we did uh, regular programming for our members. We did monthly meetings. Um, we provided um, mentorship support for new school board members. We did training for new school board members. Um, we met regularly to just discuss issues that were happening in our districts, share ideas, and um, figure out how we could work best together to serve our kids. Well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I also noticed that you're also an elected delegate on the California School Boards Association. And finally, you really worked with Kevin Mullins, an education advisory committee for the state assembly um, in that capacity mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I served on both as Kevin Mullins' advise, education advisory committee and Rich Gordon's education advisory committee. Wow. Wow. So that's, uh, you bring some, some great education experience. I think we I definitely want to get into education because I think uh, great. that topic uh, is, is very hot right now. You know, one of the questions that we have, and I think most people kind of, when they look at all the candidates, right, because this field is becoming heated up, right? There's definitely, mm-hmm. um, there's four, uh, I guess, candidates that are kind of the front runners. You got your, yourself, current councilman from Burlingame, Michael Brownrigg. You mm-hmm. have a Silicon Valley executive, uh, Josh Becker, and also mm-hmm. uh, Sally Lieber, who was a former assemblywoman. So mm-hmm. um, what what makes you the, the, the choice for the candidate, and, and why should the voters really look for you for when they go to the ballot box? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I appreciate you bringing up my experience in education because I do think that's something that's unique that I bring to the table Uh, I think also just having my experience as a local elected official for now over 13 years, 10 years on the school board, as you mentioned before, and now on city council, uh, that being able to sit in those seats, sit in front of your constituents, understand the impact of the laws that Sacramento passes, um, and be able to work with your community to make change are all unique characteristics about me. From a, from a process standpoint, but then from a policy standpoint, as you said, my deep experience in education policy, 
uh, is unique in the field of candidates and important because, as many people know, the 40% of our state budget is dedicated to education. And I also see it as the foundation for our economy. We have to have a strong public education system so that our kids can be prepared to be successful in life. And we know that our strong economy here in Silicon Valley relies on kids getting a great education. Um, so being able to have an impact on that at the state level, I think, would be, it would be an incredible opportunity. Well, well, you really have a passion for education. I mean, it, it sounds just from your experience, just from really your background. And, and one of the things is getting into education. The new budget for the California really included much needed financial support for early mm-hmm. childhood education. So as somebody that has right. really much experience, what are some of the greatest opportunities for improvement uh, that this new budget can really address? Well, I really appreciate the governor's focus on early childhood education because what we know is when we invest in high-quality preschool, we're making a strong investment in our future, um, both from just a from a from a moral standpoint, but also from an economic standpoint. We we've seen studies where we say every dollar see that every dollar invested in preschool returns seven in economic benefit in the future, and um, you know. I believe that all of our kids deserve access to high-quality early learning to set them on a course for success. And um, so the governor's new uh, investment in early learning, his uh, approach to funding uh, full-day kindergarten, which many people don't realize kindergarten is not actually required in California. Uh, and that's why you will see variation in different school districts, half-day kindergarten full-day kindergarten, sort of like a grid where kids come in the middle of the day and they stay till the end of the day. Um, that, that piece around full-day kindergarten really could make a significant difference for kids. One of the other challenges in early childhood is that it's a very disjointed system um, with a lot of different funding streams. And so being able to spend some time focusing on that and figuring out how do we put the pieces together so that it's a seamless system for kids and families. I think will make it could make a huge difference for our communities. Wow, those are great, 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 great concepts there, and I appreciate the the thoughts on that. So, let's talk housing. You 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 brought up housing, the traffic, and you said these are some mm-hmm. ideas. And so, one of the main concerns of residents is are really many housing developments, both on the past, current, and really the future. So, where do you stand on further housing development on the peninsula, and in general overall? And really, how does that fit into our overall demand here in the Bay Area? Well, as uh, many people know, Redwood City has been a leader in the county on development of housing. And just in our downtown alone, we've added almost 2,500 new units of housing. And, you know, it's important because what we do know in our county is that we do have a significant jobs housing gap that uh, between 2010 and 2017, we have created 83,000 new jobs with only 7,100 new housing units. And I think if you talk to... Uh, elected officials, advocates, people in the supermarket, they will all identify housing as a critical issue for our communities and making sure that we have housing that's affordable at all levels. So um, we actually, there was a poll done in 2018 where residents cited housing costs as the top problem facing the region. So you probably saw that poll and you probably have talked to other people about it. But 
We certainly need to continue to work on housing as an issue for to ensure that we are able to maintain our diverse communities that we appreciate so much here in Senate District 13. Um, one of the things I think that's important, though, is if you think about all the different cities that are in the Senate District, each of them have a unique perspective, a unique geography, and a unique ability to build different kinds of housing. At Redwood City, we've been able to concentrate it in the downtown around the Caltrain corridor. Um, and other cities have that opportunity as well, and many are working on doing that. Uh, but we need to be able to work with each of our cities to make it possible for them to address the housing crisis that we have in our communities, provide incentives for them so that they can, and really cities need the tools that they used to have to be able to build housing, redevelopment being chief among those. That makes sense. I, I, I've heard that before, actually. We, we've interviewed uh, uh, even Senator Wiener, and they mentioned they're, they're actually looking mm-hmm. at that, the redevelopment money. Well, bringing up you know, some of this, the, the state perspective and stuff, I know uh, in, the, in the new um, the budget proposal, there was kind of the more of a stick versus the carrot approach to, to housing and really mm-hmm. with the localities. And so uh, mm-hmm. there seemed to be more of a stick approach to saying we're going to we're not going to you're not going to get your, your 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 gas tax fees, um, you know, if you don't really comply. And there was a lot of, I guess, right. so just kind of where do you stand? Like, where do you see what would actually make the most sense on, on you know, from, from a locality sample or, or just for de- District mm-hmm. 13? Well, I think many of the communities, Sunnyvale is a great example. Sunnyvale's also built a lot of housing, um, and they've built it in sort of a concentrated area close to transportation. Um, and, you know, I understand the urgency that our state legislators feel, that the governor feels around building housing. Certainly, I think many, many of us all feel that urgency as we watch people losing their homes as we sit in traffic because people are having such long commutes. Uh, We know that we need to be building more housing. It's a challenge for different local communities, though, to both address that need and reflect their local needs. Uh, Specifically on the gas tax money, um, that that proposal doesn't sit well with me. We advocated, I can say most of us who are city council members, advocated to ensure that that money stayed in place and that we were able to use it for local infrastructure. And it um, is already being used for local infrastructure, roads. And, um, and if you drive up and down 80, as I have been a lot recently, um, you see signs everywhere saying thanks to SB2, the gas tax money, for um, for funding these improvements on our highways. So it's all very needed. And um, to tie it to housing production without um, some meaningful incentives and supports for cities to build housing, uh, we don't actually do the building. We p- create zoning. We set the conditions. Um, and then make it possible for um, for developers to come in and, and build the housing. So it's a little bit more nuanced than just saying, like, if you don't build housing, you don't get infrastructure money. It, it has to it has to be uh, a little bit more um, sensitive to the rate at which different communities can build housing, recognizing, again, as I started out by saying, it's a critical need. We can't 
sit around and wait for stuff to happen. We have to move forward and try and make it happen in our communities. Yeah, that that's great points. Great points. I mean, one of the things that, and, and we've, we've spoken with many different people, but one of the things I recognize when we speak to the local, the mayors and some of the council people is that they are very passionate about this housing issue and they have a lot of great ideas. And so mm-hmm. one of the things is, is I'm trying to, how do we communicate? How do we really get together in a way where the state can really work with the local people to really make this happen? Because I mm-hmm. think that there's, there's a lot of different strategies on how to approach the problem. And it, it almost seems right. like if we can get together and we can work through this, I think we can really solve this. So, so, so how do you see this? We can really get together more at a regional level, at a, at a state level with the localities to mm-hmm. really solve these issues. Yeah, well, I'll say a couple of things on that. One is I also serve on the board of the Peninsula Division of the California League of Cities. Um, And then for the League of California Cities, I sit on their statewide policy committee on it's called the Housing Community and Economic Development. And we actually just formed a work group to focus on the housing issue specifically. What are some positive solutions that we could offer up? I already mentioned one, and as you indicated, there is a bill already in the legislature working to address bringing back some form of redevelopment so that we have some tools at the local level to build particularly affordable housing, which we know is a critical need in our communities up and down the, up and down the peninsula and, and in Senate District 13. Um, we also have been talking in the peninsula division about how do we... Um, again, set forth a positive agenda. Um, we haven't voted on it yet, so I won't share it uh, publicly. If we were talking in a couple of weeks, I might be able to share it a little bit more. But we did set out a, a positive agenda where we said, here are some things that we agree that we all need to be working on. We want to work with our state legislators on to move the housing, not just discussion, but the actual building of housing in the Bay Area so that we are addressing the needs as quickly as possible. Certainly we feel, I feel, um, building around transit is critically important. And so the goals of Senator Wiener's bill and SB 50, I think, are really good goals. Um, so the question is, how do, we, how do we make it workable? How do we recognize cities that have done a lot of work already on housing? And how do we do things like, uh, so Hart in San Mateo County, which uh, Housing Endowment and Regional Trust, has been working on some ideas around how might cities share their housing allocation. You know, city as a region, we get a, an allocation for how many units we're supposed to be building, and then those that's divided up among cities. And so how might we share this among cities so that some cities that have more capacity to build housing might be able to benefit from by building more um, and maybe receiving some additional funding from a city that doesn't have as much capacity to build, um, say, dense housing. And so those kinds of sharing opportunities across our region, you know, if you drive up and down the peninsula, if you drive between Sunnyvale and up to Brisbane, as I've, again, been doing a lot recently, you you don't necessarily know are you in this city or that so we have to we have to figure out these pieces of how do we share some of the responsibility and some of the benefits of, of building housing you know i just thought of something because your background's in education 
yet you're very passionate about the housing. And one of the biggest issues right now is the teacher housing and really trying to understand how the educators can really afford to live because the living costs are some of the highest costs, right? you know, on the peninsula mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. know, the erosion of the middle class is like happening, you know, right before our eyes, like you mentioned. So yeah, really, what is, do you have a vision on how we can balance some of that income disparity and, and really and accommodate some of the teachers and, and, and so we can live? Yeah, it's a, it is a great question. And I'll give you a couple of things. You know, that exact thing is part of the reason why I love the charge for Redwood City raising the minimum wage faster than the state. Um, It's why we have been working on affordable housing in Redwood City. In fact, last night at our council meeting, we just approved some housing dollars that we have from our housing impact fees for a 100% two, actually, 100% affordable homes, one by Habitat for Humanity and one by a developer who came in and was going to build mixed housing in terms of market rate and affordable, and they've now decided to go 100% affordable. So working on that is is critical. And then, you know, a third piece around this, uh, maintaining our income diversity in our communities is, uh, that I've been working on is childcare. And one of the things we know, maybe you saw the Mercury News article, I think it was last week that showed that childcare costs have increased by 41%. Um, in recent years. And, you know, you said you have a kid in high school. I have college-age kids. I still spent a lot on childcare when they were little. (laughs) And if I think about increasing that by 41%, some people are paying more than a mortgage in childcare. And so how that is accessible to all income levels, it's super challenging, particularly our middle income levels. Sequoia High School District has um, offered a unique solution for their staff and that they've built a child care facility on one of their high school sites and staff can access child care then on that site, which is, is amazing. Um, But the other question you asked me was about teacher housing. Mm -hmm. And again, it's another question of how do we, you know, you asked about how do we work together? This is another area I would love to see how we might put something together among different cities where we might create an area within, say, a school, a set of school districts, and where school school districts have available land, help support building teacher housing and then making it accessible to teachers in the different school districts that are participating. And one of the key things about prioritizing teacher housing is um, because of Fair Housing Act regulations, you, you can't build just anywhere and then prioritize teachers and staff because other school staff also needs housing. Um, the other people who keep our schools going besides our teachers also need housing. Um, but if it's built on a school site, then you can prioritize teachers and staff. And so I think there's some opportunities to to collaborate among various districts to try and then for cities to help come into that conversation and help support something like that. Um, You know, in Redwood City, we have a collaborative called Redwood City 2020 that's among our city, our school, two school, our two of our school districts, um, the county, and some private partners that uh, looks at healthy children, youth, and families across the spectrum. And so that um, kind of collaborative work, I think, can set the stage for addressing some of these really challenging issues that we can't solve 
any one entity on our own. Wow. Well, well said. Um, the, the, one of the other topics you mentioned was traffic, and, you, and, and I think that because I, I think another one of your passions and something that you've highlighted just during our discussion here. Um, so you know, so it's a really major concern besides housing. I think it's probably one of the second top concerns yeah. of all residents. It affects everyone, and so you know whether it's the single occupancy, uh, you know, driver commuter. Or the Uber driver trying to capture the fares. I mean, how, how do we really get people out of the cars and really to make better use of our transportation systems and really to try to overall just how do we relieve this traffic? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we you, we know that one of the ways we do that is we address housing, right? If we can have housing near jobs, um, we can, we don't have to be sitting on the freeway going back and forth. We know. In, in San Mateo County, 62% of the commuters cross county lines. In Santa Clara County, it's 31%, so it's less, but it's still a lot of people driving in and out of our counties. And so we, we need to figure out how we're going to help locate people nearer to where the jobs are. And I think that's the goal of some of the, some of the bills. It's part of SB 50, Senator Wiener's bill this year. You know, one of the stats that I read that I read recently around traffic is that this is a few years old now, so it's probably more. But Bay Area drivers spend an average of sixty minutes every day in cars and on transit. So, think about how much time that adds up to cumulatively a year and a year, you know, a week, days. So. as part of a group of local policymakers focused on Caltrain and high-speed rail, which, as we heard the governor today, mm-hmm. um, announced that we're, he's shifting away from high-speed rail in the Bay Area and focusing on the Central Valley. So that, imagine that part of our group will go away. But, but it is policymakers from San Francisco to San, San Jose um, sitting together and talking about issues related to Caltrain and Caltrain electrification. And additionally, I sit on a um, subcommittee of the City County Association for Governments, the Congestion Management Environmental Quality Committee that is looking at congestion. One of the things that um, CCAG, the City County Association of Governments, did, and the, the committee I sit on was uh, able to recommend to the board, was incentivizing carpooling through carpooling apps. Um, so we provided some subsidies so that if you used a carpooling app, your cost was reduced significantly. We have to finish up the electrification of Caltrain so that we can have more frequent service. In Redwood City, we're studying ferry service, um, which would help uh, for commuters who are coming across the bay. It's been a long-term goal. I know of um, particular some of my colleagues, but uh, we now have some money to do a study, and we're excited about what that might mean not just for Redwood City, but all up and down this entire Senate district because bringing people across the bay um, is a piece of what can help, I think, um, address that, you know, that bridge traffic that we either sit in or see every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, overall, it has to be more convenient and more frequent. All of these modes of public transportation only work when they're convenient for people, so we need to be addressing that. You know, of course, we know that we're now working on a managed lane on 101, um, connecting up in, with um, Santa Clara County and San Mateo County. 
so that um, we can have additional opportunities for people to to re- help reduce congestion. Um, putting all of those pieces together was making it possible for people to bike um, and walk safely, which are really crit- I'm a I'm a I love to ride my bike. I love to walk places, and so making sure that pedestrians and bike riders can be safe when they're out and about and trying to get around. All of these are critical components of um, getting us out of traffic jams. We're probably not going to ever fully solve it, but at least we can help start to reduce it a little bit. Makes sense. Makes sense. We all can do our part. Um, So if elected and as a member of the Senate, what would legislation that you would like to introduce to the chamber? As we've talked about, I have said I really do want to work on education policy, health care, ensuring that all of our residents in California have access to high-quality health care. If, if I were going right now, you know, certainly I've mentioned redevelopment a few times. I would want to work on, on that, been introduced, so I wouldn't need to introduce that legislation. I've talked about incentives for building housing at all income levels, some legislation around that. We really have to pay attention. We've made a ton of changes in our education system over the last eight years. We've changed everything from our standards to how we fund education. So we need to make sure that our teachers have the support that they need to be successful um, in working with our kids. So something around support for teachers, particularly around their professional development. I talked about early childhood and it's sort of complex and convoluted system. So, and the governor's recommendations, but I would love to see us do something around streamlining to help bring together our early childhood systems. And in terms of health care, something like, you know, at the national level, we've talked about Medicaid for all in California, something like a, a Medi-Cal for all, I think would be a really great first step towards ensuring that um, all of our residents have access to health care, especially our youngest residents. San Mateo County's done a great job. Santa Clara County's done a great job of um, making it possible for kids to get access to health care, but we need to also work on making sure their families all have access to health care as well. Wow. Well, I think these are all great ideas, and, uh, you know, I'm excited just to hear and just talk about them because I think these are issues that are affecting everybody, and so I appreciate your guys. Yeah. appreciate your insight and just really your feedback on that. So one of the things I recognize is just that you've been on a lot of committees. You've been on the, the school board um, but also the city council. I think that's a very unique kind of, you're seeing both sides of the the picture right there. Mm-hmm. But I think you bring a lot mm-hmm. of experience working with a lot of committees, working with people in general. So really, what could you bring to Sacramento as far as how do you get people together to really solve these problems? Um, you, you see how mm-hmm. just a great experience on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you sort of highlighted it for me, kind of answered the question for me in your introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I, you know, when you do have to serve at the local level, you have to work uh, across differences of points of view. Um, it's it's difficult. You know, the challenges that we are facing in our communities up and down the peninsula between San Francisco and San Jose, they're challenging. You know, if there were easy answers to the housing question, we'd do it. If there were easy answers to traffic, we'd do it. If we could magically wave a wand and Um, make our public education system be uh, equitable for all kids and possible for all of them to have access to everything great, I think we do it. Um, But it's it's complex. And when you're working with people, uh, 
the ideas of bringing different voices and thoughts to the table is what brings us to better solutions. So I think one of the exciting things about being able to go to have the possibility of going to Sacramento is all the different people that you get to work with, from your local constituents um, to the people that you uh, work with from across the state. Everybody brings a different perspective and different solutions, and when that happens, then we can come up with better and stronger outcomes for all of our communities. Uh, having had to do that locally um, hasn't always been perfect, but I think in the long run, I've made a real effort um, to listen to what our communities want and need and um, make the best decisions I can based on the information that I have. Um, and I think that's what it takes also to be in Sacramento work with your local communities and your fellow legislators to bring forth policy solutions um, that are going to positively impact our state and um, and then come back and say, like, hey, how's this going? Is it working? Is it not working? Do we need to make any changes? Sounds good. Sounds good. So only a couple questions left. So uh, I think everybody would like to know, what do you feel your, your, your top three strengths are and really could bring to Sacramento? Well, we've kind of covered them, really. I mean, I think the experience governing at a local level, having made decisions about our schools and our city and how we want them to be, the understanding that I talked about earlier, the impact of the decisions that Sacramento makes on our communities and being able to work locally and at the state level to do that, um, and knowing how to work across the viewpoints to get things done, but, you know, just very specifically, you've highlighted some of my areas of real experience and my deep understanding of education policy, my work that I've done um, throughout the years around health. Um, and, you know, last but, you know, certainly not least, being a mom doesn't hurt either. Yep. <laughs> launch into the world. Definitely, uh, You know, gives you a unique perspective on what what are the challenges that our young people are facing? Because really we need to be building this world for them. Totally. Right. We need to make it possible for them to be successful. That's our, that should be our goal. Um, so having that mom experience never hurts either. Definitely. Definitely. And I think all the wives and mothers would agree out there. Um, and so <laughs> last question I have is really, what is your vision for San Mateo district 13? Let's say in 40 years, what would your vision be? You know, this Senate district is so unique. It, it really is the economic engine for California. Um, it leads the world in innovation. And in being the economic engine for California, it's critical for our country and for the world. Um, where the, California is the fifth largest economy right now, I think, in the world. And, and this region plays a huge part in that. Um, so, you know, I definitely want to see the innovation and ideas that have led to that um, strength. But I also think it means that we need a thriving community that continues to be diverse. We need diverse income levels. We need diverse jobs. We've talked about housing. We need diverse um, types of housing. We've talked about communities working together. I want to see a set of communities that work together to solve problems 
that lead us in our innovation, that have strong public schools, that are places where our children are living and their children can and want to live. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, And so where can uh, the listeners find out more about you and your campaign? Thank you for asking. They can go to my website, which is www.shellymazer.com. You can read a little bit more about me and my background. You can find out my priorities, which you've already heard. (laughs) But you can read a little bit more about them. Um, And you can also contact me uh, through that website. I'm happy to answer emails and um, have conversations with people um, who have further questions or want to know more about me and, and what I bring to the role. Well, Shelly, it's been a pleasure having you here on Podcast by the Bay and speaking with you and hearing your vision for District 13. And so best of luck on the campaign trail from Podcast by the Bay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Andre. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcast by the Bay. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at highwaysoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. All material is property and copyrighted by Podcast by the Bay, but does not necessarily reflect the views of Podcast by the Bay. For sponsorship opportunities, please contact us by email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Stay tuned.